Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a cancer-stricken Marlon Brando filling in for Boogie Bumper. An Australian version of a cancer-stricken Marlon Brando filling in for Boogie Bumper. Grab yourself a beverage and a snack. I'll explain everything. Thank you so much for joining us on this Monday edition. Skull. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next... I, I don't know how long I'll be able to go. <laughs> don't make me laugh. <laughs> so straight away, a comment in the chat from and underscore, who you should follow, our good friend Kimmy, great fan of the show. She says, you sound amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, everything's going great. Look, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. Um, I, it seems like I'm fighting a bit of laryngitis um, and possibly some kind of chest infection. So, it's uh, look, I, I've, I felt obliged at least to come on and do a show today because, I mean, I have Patreon supporters and stuff and, you know, I don't want to let them down. And I don't want to let you guys down too, the people who like it. But um, if I'm being brutally honest, I, it might be a short show today. But at least I can tell everybody what's going on if I if I don't make it up for the next like for tomorrow or the next day, um, I'm going to go to the doctor as soon as I'm finished here and see if I can get myself some medication and uh, probably some antibiotics. But I'm I'm operating like on a on a tiny slither. I'm running on the scent of an oily rag right now, and <laughs> you martyr. <laughs> Stop me! I can't laugh. I can't laugh. If you laugh, if you make me laugh, you're going to make all of the mucus come out, and you wouldn't want that. The mucus is going to cover the camera. So yeah, like I said, I felt obliged at least to come on today and attempt to do something because uh, such a great audience. I don't want to let you guys down, but at the same time, I'm acutely aware that this probably isn't very nice to listen to either. It probably sounds pretty awful, and. Um, the kind of show that I do, considering that it's my voice is a pretty p- big part of what I do <laughs> and my ability to use my voice in different ways, whether it's dramatic or, you know, making voices and, and all of that kind of thing is severely diminished. So it's not the best advertisement for this little podcast, but I will, um, like I said, I'll, I'll head off to the docks after this. I'll get myself some meds. And I'll do my best to get back to somewhere near 100% as quickly as possible. So, and this is the thing with this kind of, because I've had a voice issue before. It was about 18 months ago and I didn't do anything about it. I didn't take it. I just kept doing shows and it took months and months to get, get over it completely. So I don't want to do that again. You know, I don't want to be. I didn't have Patreon supporters back then. I, I didn't have the audience that I had back then. So I don't want to do that this time. I'd rather, you know, take the hit now. The other thing, too, is I've just come back from two weeks off. So I, I really don't want to take time off. You know, I really want to keep doing shows because I really like doing it. That's the first thing about live streaming. If you don't enjoy doing it, then you shouldn't do it. And to be fair, like, it's probably a lot less enjoyable when I sound like this. So I just wanted to fill you guys in and let you know what was happening. Um, we will take, so I'll, I'll do the show today and then I'll see where I'm at with the doctor and stuff. And as soon as I can get back 100%, then I'll be back. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sticking in. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, then you're mad. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, um, if you'd like somebody to do a show maybe once or twice a month, because they sound completely fucking horrible when they're on the mic, then you can do so by going over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. 
You can become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to complain about the audio quality, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Bookie Bumper. There's a video I wanted to go over today with you guys. <laughs> and it might be, I think it is the creepiest place on earth. But it's important, I think, to go over this place because remember we did the tour of the slum in South Africa, which they're going to start selling tickets to. They want to turn it into a tourist attraction, which is an ingenious way to get rid of roadkill. They sell roadkill in the side stalls and homemade alcohol. And they tour around the slums in Johannesburg, selling tickets to rich white people so they can take photos of poor brown people. I think it's fantastic. It's a free market at work. So we're coming up on holiday time. We're coming up on vacay time for a lot of people. So I like to present these potential Hollywood, these potential destinations to people for them to consider in their future family holidays. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we do that, there was this short video I'd like to go over if I can. This was doing the rounds on Twitter. As we all know, <laughs> Andrew Jackson's taint in the chat. Scratch that. I've met some of your viewers. Abort, abort, abort. Get the hell out of here. Mm. So this video was doing the rounds on Twitter and the education system in the Western world is just in a great place right now, isn't it? It wasn't that long ago that I was in school, you know, in high school and primary school. As you can probably imagine, I was the kind of student who spent an inordinate amount of time outside of the classroom for various reasons. Uh, I would often get kicked out just for asking questions of the teacher. And then I would be accused of trying to make the teacher look like an idiot when I was really just earnestly asking questions. But miss, if World War II was so important, how come? You know, stuff like that. <laughs> so I'd get kicked out of class often. Uh, I can't imagine what the kids are dealing with these days. And But on the upside, it must be very green pastures for the class clowns. It must be very green pastures indeed for the troublemakers in today's education system when shit like this is being rammed down their throat. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, the jokes, the smart arsery that the teachers would be hitting, be getting hit with when this is the educational material they are now propagating in today's public schools in the Western world? So let's have a little look at this. Uh, apparently, we need to teach very young children more and more about sex, more than we've ever had to teach them before. Uh, we need to teach them about LGBTQ acceptance, which I always thought was strange because particularly when we're talking about the L and the G part, you know, somebody is defined as L or G based on who they are sexually attracted to. And I didn't know that children were sexually attracted to anything, but apparently I was wrong. I'm the bigot here. And we're supposed to think of children as being sexual beings in the world. I didn't know. Put your hand up if you thought that was a thing. I, did, I didn't know that. Of course, I'm being facetious. Um, children aren't attracted sexually to other people. We know that for a fact. But apparently there's gay kids. So how they know they're gay, I'm not sure. I guess they just know even though they're not sexually attracted to people. But anyway, kids need to learn more about this stuff. So we've been told. So uh, this video has been doing rounds. 1.5 million views. I suspect, you know, maybe upwards of 900K of those views would be hate watching. <laughs> but let's have a look. I'll show you what I'm talking about. And I'm Eva, a sex researcher. Oh, see, can't we get this one mic'd up? How about the audio? You've got 1.5 million views. My voice sounds better than not having... A, it, it sounds better than this. Hey, everybody. I'm a sex educator. Welcome to the classroom. And I'm Eva. I'm a sex researcher. My preferred pronouns are she, them. My preferred pronouns. I'm here to tell you about sex. And I'm here to talk to you about LGBTQ. You know, everybody, we got some things. Like, can we just get the other one mic'd up? How did this become a video? How did it, is nobody doing any kind of editing on this whatsoever? Um, sir, I've got bad news. We can only hear one of the hosts on this video and not the other one. No, that's okay. That's okay. It's only a black woman. Just put it out anyway. <laughs> black woman doesn't need to be heard. It's fine. So it's already annoying. <laughs> 
because I'm a woman and when I was your age, I used to be a girl. Gender is how you feel on the inside about whether you're a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. If you're non-binary, right. you feel like neither or both. Neither or both at the same time. People can also be fluid, feel more like female, more like male, on a, based on a different day or time. It's really individual. Based on a different date or time, you can feel like a different gender. It's, you're not born with it. It can change from hour from from hour to hour to minute to minute. Children. <laughs> I just love that we're not confusing the children anymore. See, education is about clearing things up for kids. Education is all about, uh, you know, helping children make sense of the world so they can successfully transition from childhood to adulthood. So they can go from a world where everything is fun and everything is great to the world of an adult where everything is shit, <laughs> where work sucks, where you hate yourself and you take antidepressants. That's what we're trying to... Oh, wait, is that what we're trying to do? We're trying to help children successfully transition from the world of child victim to adult victim. So it's all about clearing things up. It's all about making things less confusing for the children. So it's very good that we're educating the children to know that when they grow up, they can basically from any minute, from one minute to the next minute to the next minute to the next minute, completely change their uh, sexual identity, their gender identity, what really makes them who they are can just be on a whim, fluid, from one minute to the next. Because that will clear up a lot of confusion, I think. Absolutely. Everyone born with a vulva is a girl. True or false? Or identifies as a girl. Not everybody is sure, and that makes sense. But our genitals actually don't determine our gender. So ah. some people born with vulvas can be boys. <laughs> Now, children, true or false, people born with vaginas are girls. They put up their little thing. True. Sounds true to me. Sounds true. Well, that's not true. As we all know, people born with vaginas don't aren't always girls. Sometimes they are boys. Sometimes boys are born with vaginas. Oh. You stupid children. Didn't you do your homework, little Timmy? Didn't you do your homework, little Sally? You stupid little boy. Girl, whatever. You stupid little person. Didn't you know that sometimes a girl can have a penis? What the fuck is wrong with you, children? I tell you, kids these days, they don't know anything, do they? You know, once upon a time when I was a kid, we used to learn how to program the VCR. We learned how to change a wheel on our bicycle. Uh, we could learn how to, you know, catch the bus to school. We knew all that. Kids these days don't even know that girls can have a penis. They're so stupid. They're so dumb. These poor children, we're not arming them with the right information to tackle the world of tomorrow. So now, at least now we know that, uh, you know, boys can have a vagina. That's the main thing. Can anybody do math in this room? What's a calculator? What the hell is a plus symbol? Let's learn a little bit more about gender. We actually have an extra special visitor to sex ed school. I have been through. Yay. <laughs> Good news, boys and girls. An extra special visitor. He's our special friend. Through the spectrum, if we were to say a spectrum of right. like boys and girls uh i have been everywhere in between I i've been everywhere man i've been everywhere i've been a bird girl boy attack helicopter goldfish warfish i've been everywhere i've had vaginas penis vulva and testicles put it in there what does it matter who gives a fuck i've been everywhere man all over the spectrum i was born a girl and then when I was two years old, I told my mom for the first time that I was a boy. I was born a girl. Listen to this fucking bigot, would you? I was born a girl. The teacher just told us just because somebody has a vagina when they're bo uh, born doesn't mean that they're a girl. What a bigot. What an insensitive, insufferable bigot. And teaching our children this nonsense that people can be born as girls. I mean, take a look at this guy, right? 
People aren't born as girls. People aren't born as anything, madam, sir. They eventually decide what they are. Jeez. Uh, I think that I framed it. I don't remember it. I've only been told stories, but I framed it because my brother's middle name was the same as my dad's. Uh, and so I insisted that my middle name was also the same as his. I wanted, I just wanted equality. Uh, but back in the day, there was no talk shows and there was no internet. There was no resources. Yeah. There was, there was no transgender material on the internet back in my day. Seemed like there was a lot of trans, less, a lot less transgender children as well. Am I making the wrong connections? Uh, well, it seems like there was less uh, transgender material permeating throughout culture, especially targeting young children. And it also seemed that there was far less transgender young children at the same time. What an amazing coincidence. You know, when I think back to those archaic, bigoted days when there wasn't the internet, when there wasn't, uh, you know, an excessive amount of transgender material, to educate our children with, to teach them the real way of the world, that being that girls can be born with a penis, then, uh, you know, I, I think back, what an awful time to be alive. What an awful, depraved, disgusting, bigoted, homophobic world we must have lived in. You know, those doctors are just as to blame as anybody else. Those doctors, when the baby popped out... <laughs> Landed on the floor, which I which I imagine is how childbirth goes. Is that how it goes? And when that doctor picked up that baby by the ankles and said, it's a boy, we didn't know. But back then, those doctors were merely perpetuating heteronormative stereotypes, dangerous petro, uh, heteronormative stereotypes. When that, little, when that little person came out with a penis, the doctor should have said, what do you think? What do you think? What would you like it to be? Uh, we'll call it a uh, we'll call it a non-binary. There you go. Hey, your choice is yours. You mark down what you want it to be, girl, boy, or other. That's the way it's supposed to happen. That's the way it's supposed to work. Fuck science, right? So she just ignored it, and then nothing happened for many, many years, and then it still took me a long time into my twenties before I decided to transition. But in there. I was a, you know, a tomboy, if that's what we say, or like uh, I was sporty, I had short hair. Oh, well, obviously born a man, a man with a, a vagina then. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I have a thing for tomboys. So I'm afraid if the uh, LGBTQ community, and I don't think it is a community, to be fair. I think there's, an, there's various kinds of L communities and there's various kinds of G communities. There's various kinds of tea communities. I think it's uh, plainly absurd and false to lump all of these people in together and say that that's one group of people because it's not true. They hate each other more than they hate the, the rest of society more often than not. But putting that to one side, um, if whatever community is responsible for this, if you have plans to take the tomboy's office, there, there will be war. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only guy who has a thing for, for tomboys. You know what I mean? Hey, just because the girl wears tracksuit pants and a football jersey doesn't mean that she's supposed to have a penis. Just leave her be. She's happy. We're happy. Just leave her alone. It's fine. Okay? <laughs> Don't you dare steal the tomboys from the heterosexual men. The pool is getting sh smaller for the heterosexual males. You're not taking the tomboys off. Maybe you can just take the ugly ones. We will give you the ugly tomboys, but we're keeping the cute ones because you don't need them anyway. They'll be wasted on you. And then I grew it out in high school because I felt like I should. And I felt like that's what people wanted me to be. And then in my 20s, I decided to become a drag king, which uh, we don't hear about as much. Like drag queens are in the news all the time. But a drag king is... You've got to get the drag kings out there. It's not fair. Why does everybody keep talking about the drag queens? Why don't the drag kings ever get any love? Equality now. <laughs> Fuck me. Isn't it funny, though, to reflect sometimes the conversations that we have versus the conversations that other people have? You know, if you ask me what my biggest concerns are, I would say things like uh, the economic order of the world, uh, you know, debt, 
national debt, international debt, overreach from the UN, unelected corporate bodies, uh, you know, multinational corporations supplanting and replacing elected governments in various areas of our lives, such as internet freedom, uh, the rise of AI, automation, the internet of things, how this is going to replace human beings at a very you know substantial level within the 10 to 15 year range, what that means for human society going forward. Like these are the kinds of questions I have. The effect of mass immigration on the cultural identity of any particular nation, the cultural confidence of nations in the West, particularly in particular dwindling to the point where they no longer know who they are or what they believe in or what they're allowed to be and what they're allowed to believe in and the kind of flow on, you know, disruptive effects that that causes in a system. These are the things that I'm concerned with. And then we look to the other side. Uh, we look to the other side of the conversational aisle and we'll see that, you know, one of the most important things on the mind of some people is the fact that drag queens are overrepresented in the media, a point which I would agree with, just putting my hand up on that. I would agree that there's too much drag queens on TV, but uh, the problem is that there aren't enough drag kings, women dressing up as men. We need more drag kings in popular culture, not drag queens. It's interesting, isn't it? Priorities. A little bit different. So for me, it was I, in my daily life, I was a girl. Um, but then when I went on stage and I wanted to perform, I would perform as male. Fucking fascinating, mate. Uh, all right. There you have it. The future of the education system, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know about you, but I, I feel very confident about this. I don't see anything wrong with this whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to our piece here. I haven't pre-watched this. I skipped in the, in the middle somewhere, watched about 20 seconds of it, and I said I absolutely have to bring this to the show. A trailer park entirely inhabited by pedophiles and sex offenders. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for your future, you know, holiday destination with your family, may I recommend this place? It looks like a wonderful place. Look at that skyline. Isn't it fantastic? So we're going to investigate what is potentially the creepiest place on earth, courtesy of 60 Minutes. Let's have a look. Creepy piano music. St. Petersburg on Florida's west coast. It's a, Flo it's a Florida story. Woo! <laughs> of course it's a Florida story. Ah, <laughs> oh, don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh, pedophiles, please. Postcard perfect playground. Postcard Except perfect. for one thing. Not far from these beaches, hiding in plain sight, is a trailer park full of registered sex offenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good comment from Roxbox. Florida is so fun. <laughs> Let's go to Florida, children. Do we have to? Yes. Shut the hell up in the back seat there. Don't make me get the chloroform. The 120 residents here are convicted rapists, child sex abusers, and addicts of child pornography. Sounds like a nice crew, doesn't it? Sounds like a great crew. Imagine just innocently pulling into this place like you're on holiday. You're going from, you know, you're going from one place to another. And you're like, honey, I think we should stop for the night. You know, good idea. The kids are tired. Uh, this looks like a nice little trailer park. We can get one, get a night in here. Seems fine. <laughs> Unbeknownst to yourself. Never knowing. So every one of the people here are the neighbours that no one else really wants to have. Absolutely. The not-in-my-backyard people. The village of the damned. The I village of the damned. The societal lepers of the 21st century. Showing me around this godforsaken underworld. Godforsaken underworld. A convicted child molester. He's lived here for a decade and is surprisingly open about what makes someone like him commit the most deplorable acts against children. Deplorable. I did what I did. 
I, I, I know why I did it. I know how I did it. I know how I went about it. It was a setup, a predatorial action. I, I was a predator. I did that. But as sickening as this place is, it could hold the key to answering one of the biggest questions of our time. What's that? How do we stop pedophiles from offending in the first place? I guess I go. I could I, maybe maybe the children meet, need more education. Maybe some kind of uh, pedophile education in children, you know, because they roll out all of these various educational programs for five and six year olds to combat other ills in modern society. For example, uh, they say that uh, young boys, five and six year old, need to be educated about domestic violence, lest they grow up to become toxic males. Because as we know, you know, the innate male behavior is also bad, but at the same time, innate male behavior doesn't exist because everybody's transgender. That's not confusing at all. So maybe some kind of education system rolled out for the five and six-year-olds. Boys and girls, when you, boys and girls, five and six-year-olds are not sexually attractive at all. But you can also be a gay five or six-year-old, which means you're sexually attracted to five and six-year-olds of the same sex. But no five and six year olds are sexually attractive. Are you following along at home? <laughs> do, you, do you see any problem with this logic? Well, come out here with me, Teddy Bear. Pervert Park houses Pervert one Park. of the largest concentrations of sex offenders in the United States. I'm not innocent of having the images. You did view it. And I did view it, yeah. It was set up 10 years ago as a solution to Florida's strict probation laws, which forbid convicted pedophiles from living within 300 metres of kids. Over the years, it's been... 300 metres isn't really that much of a distance, though, is it? 300 metres? Like, I take it that a lot of these gents... I mean, take this, uh, you know, prime example of physical peak fitness, for example... I take it a lot of these gents aren't really, you know, at peak physical level. But 300 metres, even for a morbidly obese, balding, uh, pallid, disgusting pedophile creature, 300 metres isn't really that long. Like, it might take them a morning to walk 300 metres. But it's still really not that far. It's all right. We've, we've solved the pedophile problem. Pedophiles are no longer allowed to live within 300 metres of any children. Really? <laughs> Wow. Act, acting like it's like fucking pioneer times. Like they'd have to cross a mountain range to get themselves close to a child. 300 metres is a stone's throw. Some people can hit a golf ball 300 metres. <laughs> it's not that far. Become a safe haven for society's most hated human beings. Safe space. Safe space for the pedos. Cool bike, bro. There's not really any way to sugarcoat this place. It's frankly not a great spot to live. The conditions here. Don't don't use candy references in uh in Pervert Palace. Don't use candy references in the pedophile trailer park. You'll never know what kind of what kind of guys will start coming out from the bushes. Sugarcoat. Did somebody mention candy? Would you like a lolly? Oh, shit. Sorry. Sorry. It's just a reflex. Sorry, guys. They're very cramped. Everyone has a dark, sinister history. And the atmosphere is, well, it's unpleasant. That said, Florida <laughs> oh, police say it works. Now, you'd think having such a concentration of sex offenders in one place would be a recipe for disaster. Why? But law officers claim for them it centralises the potential problems. It also helps them to track down offenders after they leave prison. And for the residents here, it creates a kind of self-regulation. Good, good. Who better, who better to regulate the pedophile and the activities of pedophiles than other pedophiles? Sounds great. Sex offenders know sex offenders better than anybody because we are each other. So you'll call each other out? Absolutely. What's that like, being labelled a sex predator? Um, I don't know, it's kind of surreal. It's 
kind of surreal, man. What's that like being labeled a sex predator? Well, you know, it's one of these things, man. It's like, it's like you know, uh, it's not everything about me, but, you know, I guess it's nice to feel, it's nice to be recognized. <laughs> Fucking dumb question. You know, there's just, it's just... You never thought of yourself as one of those? Um, I don't know. No, I don't think so. I, I mean... It, but if you think about it, what does a predator do? It, it, it cuts the weak and the young out of the pack and it, and it preys. Okay, that's what I did. So it fits? I, I think it does. I absolutely think it does. You'd be hard-pressed finding a more candid or repentant child molester than Bill Fury. What I did was wrong. I mean, he's obviously he's going on TV. He's, getting, he's putting himself out there. He's going on TV. It's pretty wild. I mean, do you think that your life is going to improve after this? After getting out there on TV, saying, "Yeah, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the sex predator. I'm the I'm the pedophile everyone's heard about." Hey, how you doing? I just wanted to tell my story. Just wanted to give you a guided tour here of Pedophile Park, the Pedophile Trailer Park. Hope you hope you all enjoy your stay. You all come back now. You here? Wrong. So you, owned, you so you've owned that. Oh, absolutely. I inflicted harm on other human beings that I have no right to inflict. Can you describe to me what did you do? Well, I have this girlfriend with a 12-year-old daughter, and I was at her house one night while she was working. Bottom line is I, I offended sexually against somebody. Somebody defenseless, somebody young, somebody that didn't deserve it. And she was 12 or 13. 12 or 13. Obviously too young to be exposed to what I exposed her to. I don't use the word... <laughs> sorry, pro tip guy. Don't, I know you're very repentant, you're very sorry. You won't find any sympathy, I don't think, but putting that to one side. Uh, try not to use the word expose when you're telling your personal story, please. These people really need media training. I think that's the problem. I think the pedophiles are just too naive. The pedophiles do not have enough experience sitting in front of a camera. Wait, that's not true either. Bill spent almost 20 years behind bars and Only underwent 20 intense therapy. But he tells me he doesn't think he's been cured. The 56-year-old says the forbidden desires he acted on all those years ago are still present. This is the thing, and I, I think, I suspect it's a conversation that, you know, more people are willing to have now than in previous times. People, people are arguing now, and I think it's long overdue, that, you know, we're looking at this all wrong. That these, this is not just a crime like, for example, if I, if I steal somebody's wallet on the street to buy drugs, right, I have that driving urge, that addiction to the drugs, which led me to stealing the wallet. But, I mean, you can be, you can be, you can be rehabilitated from that kind of crime. But with these guys, it's something deep in their psyche. You know, people, are, experts argue, doctors argue now that it's, it's, a, it's a, it's it's a like a malfunctioning brain thing. It's a sickness in them. It's a compulsion. They have to do it. They have to offend in this manner. So we shouldn't be treating it. So see, people say we shouldn't be treating it like a crime, but we should be treating it like some kind of mental health problem. But I'm like, well, why not both? Why can't we do both? Why can't we treat it like a criminal mental health problem? like a serial killer. See, I think serial killers have mental health problems too. But then I don't parade serial killers around on TV and say, well, you know, as long as they're put in a nice safe space with other serial killers and as long as we can watch them all in the same place and as long as we come up with a court order to keep the serial killers 300 metres away from any knives, then I'm sure we'll be okay. Like, what do we do with the serial killers? And this is the thing, this is where it gets into dark corners for me because 
I'm not in favour of the death penalty. I'm not a pro-death penalty guy. I don't want to give the state, uh, you know, I don't want to have state-sanctioned state, state sanctioned murder as an option. But when, when you're talking about, uh, you know, child predators and stuff like that and pedophiles, like it's, that's something that tests your principle, you know what I mean? Because it's like, it would be so much easier to just say, I'm against um, capital punishment except for except for those guys. You know what I mean? I would be happy for those guys to be taken out. But other than that, no capital punishment. But then it's like, well, then you really don't have the principle in the first place if you're willing to yield on that principle for just this group here and this group here and this group here. So it is, it's very tempting for me to go back on my anti-state sanctioned murder stance and say, well, you know, I'm against, I'm against the death penalty, but, <laughs> and, and these kinds of characters make it very easy to test my principle on, on capital punishment. So, I mean, it's like, what do you do? What do you do? Do you treat it like a crime? Do you treat it like a mental health problem or do you make it both? See, this is the other thing too. I think that, you know, various pushes and drives in society like, you know, criminal justice reform, for example, criminal justice. So I think the idea that prison should be a place of rehabilitation is fundamentally flawed. That's not why prisons exist. That's not why prisons should exist. The reason prisons exist is to keep the dangerous people away from the people who are not dangerous, to keep the criminals away from the non-criminals. Prisons aren't about rehabilitating criminals. Prisons exist to protect the non-lawbreakers from the lawbreakers. That's like the that's that, that should be the way that we view these things. I think if we view prison and especially when it comes to these pedophile these pedophile creatures if we view prisons as a place where people go away to relearn skills and rehabilitate and become better people, I mean, that's what that's what you know. Uh, two day junkets are for when you work for some company and you go away and do team building exercises. That's that's teaching you more skills how to become a better person. But the fundamental reason for prisons existing is not to make prisoners better people. It's to protect the people who are not prisoners, right? Now, these guys, it's like I said, more and more people come out now and say it's a sickness. We're dealing with a pathological urge, a compulsion that lies within these pedophile creatures. Like they must offend. They have to offend. There's no such thing as rehabilitation for that kind of mental you know, proclivity, right? So what the fuck do you do with these people? Is it just prison for life? Is that what we do? People say things like chemical castration. That might be an option as well. But if we understand that, you know, it's a mental deficiency, it's a mental health issue, and there is no quote-unquote cure for it, maybe the cure is a firing squad. I don't know. But that's why I said it tests my my principle, like my anti-death penalty principles are often tested when it, we come up against these kinds of guys because it's just so tempting to snuff out the issue rather than deal with it and have people deal with it. You know what I mean? All of the money we waste dealing with it, all of the intellectual uh, property we waste dealing with it, trying to find a solution that potentially doesn't exist. I don't think it'll ever go away, you know? You just learn how to manage it, how to manage control it. it, how to not feed it. So that feeling is still there with you? The desire? Absolutely. Absolutely. Research varies, but even on the lowest estimates, there are millions of pedophiles worldwide. They walk among us every day. <laughs> Acting like they're vampires. <laughs> <laughs> there are millions of pedophiles walking amongst us right now. Look to the person next to you. The person next to you could be a pedophile. 
James, how many pedophiles do you think you've seen over the years? Wow. I'd be surprised if I haven't broken a thousand. Dr. James Cantor is a neuroscientist specialising in atypical sexualities. When it comes to pedophilia, he's reached important but uncomfortable conclusions. Here we go. Including why pedophiles are attracted to children in the first place. All the evidence suggests that pedophilia begins in the womb. A person does not pick it. What? Despite every kind of treatment that has been attempted over what? a century, nothing has been shown to be able to change these people from pedophiles into non-pedophiles. Oh. <laughs> oh. Apologies again for the use of the cough button. Uh, so they're born pedophiles? You can be born a pedophile. Well, that's interesting because then it seems that the solution, because they're saying the question posed by this story was, how do we stop pedophiles from offending in the first place? Well, if they're born pedophiles, then it should be relatively easy, shouldn't it? And then just like that, all of the pro-life Christians were pro-abortion on some level. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Since I was getting a bit of shit for my anti-death penalty stance, if you could abort a pedophile in the womb before it was born to become a pedophile, knowing that people are born pedophiles and it will grow up to be a pedophile, whether you like it or not, would you abort it? Huh? Honest question. Are you anti-abortion? Good. Would you abort a known pedophile if it was going to be a pedophile regardless of what education, regardless of what treatment, regardless of what you tried to do with it? If you knew that the baby was going to grow up to be a, an adult sex offender, would you abort it? Ooh. Ooh. Oh, it's tricky. It's a tricky one. But, 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 but they might not be a pedophile. Ah. Okay. By exploring the brains of... Crime is not a crime until it's committed. ...convicted pedophiles using MRI scans, Dr Cantor discovered a dramatic cross-wiring in the connective tissue. His controversial research found that pedophiles... Are exactly. So Norwester in the chat says, this pre-crime is a problem. I'm, great that you, I'm grateful that you said that because now we can understand that the whole premise of the question is flawed to begin with. How do you stop pedophiles from uh, how do you stop pedophiles from committing crimes in the first place? That was the question put at the start. Nobody talked about pre-crime then. Nobody said, "Oh, you know, a crime isn't a crime until it's committed." It's only once I brought up the abortion angle that people were like, "Oh, well, you know, we can't do pre-crime stuff." So that's the principle, right? You can't do anything until they offend the first time. Okay, Pinochet is sending me something on Twitter. I'll have a look. Uh, victims of nature. It's not that these areas of the brain are different in the pedophiles. It's that Pedophile. the network that they're supposed to form isn't connected properly. So it's accidentally identifying things in the environment that should evoke a parental nurturant instinct, but instead it's provoking a sexual and erotic instinct. From all the science. Yep. From all your science. Did it answer the question, are pedophiles born or made? Interestingly, the, the science in general says that pedophiles appear to be born, not made. Because that's a big call, isn't it? Uh <sighs> um, just a side note, is anybody aware, has anybody seen the British comedy, like the British cartoon, it's an adult comedy show called Monkey Dust? It's um, edgy boys doing cartoons. So there's a character on Monkey Dust called the Pedo Finder General. I just, I just thought I'd throw this in just for laughs. My turn to bat, Dad. Yay! Oh my God! Look! Who are you? 
I am the pedo finder general. <laughs> We're just playing French cricket. French cricket? Is French kissing not kissing with tongues? Yeah, but... Then is French cricket not cricket with tongues? No. And your tiny innocent daughter? Well, what about her? Did you not induce your friend, Mr. Whippy, to offer her a 69? It's a 99. A 99! Like a 69, but 30 worse! By the powers invested in me by the discredited research of Professor Ray Meadows, I find you guilty of pedophilia. That's not true! Be careful. Anything I say may be taken down and used in evidence against you. You are a kiddie fiddler. Bang to rights. But, but my children... Most victims of abuse grow up to abuse others. It's like werewolves. What's going on there, Bob? They're executing a family of paedophiles. Hooray! This is the best holiday ever! <laughs> <laughs> the pedophiler general. The reason I bring that up is, see, this is a serious one, but it's funny how people can pick up the torch and then just go way too far. So in Australia, for example, at some schools, did you know that it's illegal to film your child at like a sports carnival or at a, you know, like a dance recital or something like that at a play. And the reason that uh, these schools ban parents, right, they, they ban parents from filming children at sports carnivals or at dance recitals is because they say, we don't know who's a pedophile or not. Like, do you fucking believe it? So, like, that, that, that character, the Peter Finder General, is making fun of that kind of stuff. Where we're all just like, oh, you're a child sexist, and you jump on top of the the outrage bandwagon and make innocent people into guilty people. So I just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, it is a big call because some people will see that as almost making an excuse for pedophilia. Oh, uh, many people will make uh, uh, many different interpretations, but the place to start any kind of policy is this is biological and it's not going to change. Biological. Doctor, Ken- isn't that funny? Now we live in a time where. Just because um, a person is born with a penis doesn't make them a male, but that person born with a penis, even though they're a female, is probably born a pedophile. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't keep up. So so why aren't these doctors who are, you know, determining how people are born pedophiles, can they now draw their attention to gender, please? Would that be too much to ask? Okay, okay, we get it. Pedophilia is biological. So can you please now look at the uh, non-binary community and see what the fuck's going on there? Can we figure that out? We just heard from the education system that just because somebody's born with a vulva doesn't make them a girl. Fascinating. It's fascinating what science is doing. Okay, what am I... Try to find something that hasn't happened yet. Okay. I'm bringing up a link that was sent to me by Pinochet, the pedo finder general. Oh, there's a lot of reading here. There's a lot of reading here. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll quickly go through it, but my voice isn't really set up for reading right now. <laughs> right now. If you've just tuned in... Uh, this could be the last show for a couple of days at least while I try to get over laryngitis. Laryngitis isn't really productive in this in this kind of exercise, being live streaming and reading articles, but I'll do my best. The Overhauling of Straight America by Marshall Kirk and Arastas Pill. The first order of business is desensitization of the American public concerning gays and gay rights. To desensitize the public is to help it view homosexuality with indifference instead of with keen emotion. Ideally, we have straights register differences in sexual preferences the way they register tastes for ice cream or sports games. She likes strawberry and I like vanilla. He follows baseball and I follow football. No big deal. At least in the beginning, we are seeking public desensitization and nothing more. We do not, we do not need and cannot expect a full appreciation or understanding of homosexuality from the average American. 
You can forget about trying to persuade the masses that homosexuality is a good thing, but if you can only get them to think that it's just another thing with a shrug of the shoulders, then your battle for legal and social rights is virtually run. Yeah, one. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And to get shoulder shrug stage, gays as a mass, as a class, must cease to appear mysterious, alien, loathsome, and contrary. A large-scale media campaign will be required in order to change the image of gays in America, and any campaign to accomplish this turnaround should do six things. Uh, talk about gays and gayness as loudly and as often as possible. Portray gays as victims, not as, as aggressive challenges. Give protectors a just cause. Make gays look good. Make the victimizers look bad. Solicit funds. The buck stops here. Uh, getting on the air, and there's a lot. So I wonder when this was printed. Visual stage one. So it looks it looks basically like a rundown for, uh, where is it? So it was 1987. It was an article printed in 1987, basically giving a blueprint for uh, how to promote, normalize, and desensitize uh, gay culture in modern society. 1983, was it? There you go, 1983. So there you go. I'll probably read that uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, I used to I used to talk a lot about um, you know Herbert Marcuse and that kind of thing when I first started, but I found that people aren't very interested in the nuts and bolts. People don't really care about liberation uh, theory and whatnot. Uh, as interesting as it is to me, um, you know the the idea was you need to provide. There's a famous essay called Repressive Tolerance that was written in, I think, the 1950s from memory now. Um, so repressive, the idea behind repressive tolerance was to uh, promote tolerance of all of the things that Western society didn't tolerate at that time. And then you, by proxy, promote intolerance of the things that Western society was tolerating. So, you know, uh, heterosexual, heteronormative relationships, the nuclear family, uh, free market capitalism, all of those kinds of things. You promote intolerance of that. That's where you get toxic masculinity and stuff from. And, you know, the main driving force behind that was this idea that, uh, you know, the the capitalist system that was being ruled by the bourgeoisie. So the bourgeoisie were like the up and coming, you know, 20, 30 somethings, the rich kids. And if you replace the ideas of the rich kids with the far left ideas instead of the capitalist ideas, then you can basically end the capitalist system because it's not replacing itself. The bourgeoisie replaced itself by educating the next ones in the same system, educating the next ones, educating the next ones. So if you, I think the quote was, if you replace the bourgeoisie with a far left bourgeoisie, then you cut the head off the capitalist system and it'll never be able to grow again. And that was, you know, like I said, about 60 or 70 years ago. Now, these people were very intelligent. They were social scientists, psychologists, linguists, all of that kind of thing. So I'll definitely read that. I'll put. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put it in the show notes of the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, if you haven't given up on listening to the podcast yet, because it sounds like the audio version of shitting through a cheese grater, then um, that link will be in the in the podcast show notes for you. Thank you, Pinochet. All right, let's get back to our little video here. The creepiest place on earth, your holiday destination, ladies and gentlemen. Cantor argues that means rather than condemn people born with something they can't control, we need to start helping them before they offend. Ah. And incredibly, he says, many pedophiles actually don't want to act on their urges. Pedophilia is not a synonym for child molestation, which is how most people think. Pedophilia is the genuine, underlying, unchanging sexual interest in children. But isn't that the... the but see, why, why do people have to have sympathy for pedophiles? That's what I keep asking myself. You know, you know, pedophile, pedophilia doesn't mean that they're child sex offenders. They're born this way. They don't want to do it. They're victims of their own brain. But in brutal, like to be brutally honest, I think a lot of people are saying, why do I have to feel sympathy for these people? Like they're, they're making out like it's a, just another birth defect, right? So you might feel sympathy with somebody who's born with no arms and legs because it puts them at a distinct disadvantage compared with all of the other humans who do have arms and legs. You might feel sympathy for somebody born with some kind of, uh, you know, degenerative, uh, degenerative oh, pardon me, my voice is fucked, uh, you know, like heart condition or something or some kind of brain condition. 
or some kind of other disability. You can have sympathy for that. But then people turn around and say, well, why should I have sympathy for the pedophiles, though? I don't understand. Maybe it's not fair. Maybe it's not right. Maybe we should. But I don't think people will. I don't think people will. And it, it, it is stark. It's, it's, it's really alarming the amount of this kind of, you know, this kind of idea being pushed recently over the last two or three years. I'm sure you've noticed it as well. Pedophilia has gone from the most drastic, the most disgusting thing that uh, an adult human can do in in the modern world. Like people view pedophilia and child abuse worse than murder now. But recently over the last couple of years, we've been starting to get this shit filtering through. Oh, well, it's not their fault. They don't want to do it. It's just, it's just a, it's just something you're born with. They can't control themselves. It's not their fault. We need to help them. <laughs> right? Don't you find it strange? Don't you find it odd? Like that's the last bastion of tolerance, I think. If we get to the stage where um, this kind of activity is tolerated and just viewed as just another uh, weird psychological trait, then I think we're pretty much fucked. I think we're we're over at that point. As a social a SoCal patriot, I'm okay with hating so anyone who thinks uh, of messing with a kid. Yeah, that's fair enough, right? Same thing. No, child molestation is the actual behaviour that harms a child. But you're splitting straws there a little bit, aren't you? No, not you're, at all. You're saying that the definition of pedophilia is the attraction, but it doesn't mean they, they're going to do it. Exactly. A pedophile, uh, there exists a group, for example, called the virtuous pedophiles. Uh, these people recognize that they're sexually interested in children, <laughs> never touched one. And <laughs> yeah. I'm no expert when it comes to marketing and branding. <laughs> but I think... I think if you're trying to get your group off the ground, I think if you, I think if you're trying to create some kind of social action group, then perhaps the name that you would have chosen would not have been the virtuous pedophiles. Because I think, I think it may be difficult to get the kind of positive press that you're going to need in order to have some kind of effect on the world. <laughs> You know, not all the pedophiles are bad. I mean, look at this group over here, the virtuous pedophiles. I mean, they sound like fucking saints, don't they? Ah, we're full of we're full of the milk of human kindness. We only want to help people. <laughs> this guy is full of shit. Good night, Dr. Stupid. They essentially swear themselves to a life of celibacy. How is it possible for them to suppress that sexual urge for their entire lifetime? I can't imagine that kind of a curse. And we as a society, the only thing. I can't imagine that kind of a curse. These poor, virtuous pedophiles, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. These poor, virtuous pedophiles are cursed by their sexual urges and they commit themselves to a life of celibacy. God bless them. God bless those virtuous pedophiles. I can't imagine with living living like that. How awful for the pedophiles. This is this is insane. This is next level. I'm not blaming this doctor guy because he's just he's just he's doing science. He's not out there trying to be an advocate for pedophilia. He's just giving honest honest answers and stuff. But the problem is it's this kind of shit that will get picked up and run with. It's this kind of shit that then gets, you know, permeated in the blogs and in the little, in the little, uh, you know, tolerance rags here and there, and that's how it starts transforming into we need to accept pedophiles and we need to do more to help them because they're sick, you know, they're unfortunate souls cursed with this with this sexual desire that they can't act on. How awful, right? That's where this shit starts. We can and again, I ask the question: Why do why do the rest of us need to be sympathetic towards these creatures? And do the thing that would most protect our children. An excellent point in the chat from YouTube. Yes, yeah, the poor pedophiles. Imagine being the kid. <laughs> Imagine that curse, living with that curse. And is to help them do that.
Coming up, I've got a sexual attraction to children, but this man says he's not a danger. We do oh, here we go. This will be good. So can he be trusted? Have you ever been tempted? No. I've been tempted, yes. Oh, we need to that skip That all air. changes here we go. the moment he sits down. Let's have a look at this favela. I've got a sexual attraction to children. Are you uncomfortable being labelled a pedophile? It's a... It's a difficult word, but that, that's it's, true. it's technically true. What age for a sexual partner would you find attractive? In a purely physical sense, I would say seven, eight years old. Shower says Shower he first became aware of his disturbing attraction to little boys when he was a teenager. When I was around about 15, I was going through... <laughs> just another interesting thing I just thought of. Isn't it funny now that there's more tolerance for pedophiles than there is for people with certain political views? <laughs> so if you were like an anti-immigration right winger, you, it would be very difficult for you to get this kind of level treatment on a show like 60 Minutes, you know what I mean? They'd be like, these people are disgusting. They're despicable. They need to be shoved into the caves. They need to be shoved into the corners of society. What does he believe in? An end to mass immigration and restoring the cultural confidence of Western nations. How dare he? What a fucking monster. Coming up after the break, why we should all be nicer to pedophiles. And we ask, can we trust them? Because they're not really that bad. It's fucking mind-boggling, isn't it? <laughs> be nice to the pedophiles. Be against the right-wingers. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There'd be a whole bunch of right-wingers out there right now, anti-immigration uh, right-wingers who were saying, gee, if only, I, if only I fucked kids, then I could, get a, I could be on YouTube. If only I diddled children, then maybe I could get myself an interview on, on CNN. As it just so happens, unfortunately for me, I don't want anything, I don't want any harm to happen to the children, and I want to end mass immigration. I'm a disgusting monster. I am to be ostracized from the internet community. If only I was attracted to eight-year-olds, then I would be fine. Figure that shit out. If you don't think that there isn't a problem in the West with how we view various things and various topics, that should be it. Right there. That's exhibit A. School, I was looking at boys, I was finding them sexually attractive, but as I was growing older, I wasn't attracted to boys my own age. You know, post-puberty, I was more attracted to the, to, to the younger ones. When that realisation dawned upon you, and then you bring the word pedophile in, that must Maybe one day we'll have people coming out as pedophiles. Mum, Dad, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> this is fucking bizarre. This is mind-boggling. It's been very confusing. It was. You associate with monsters, you know, and it's very, very, very hard then to realise that, hang on a minute, I'm not a monster. I've got a morality. I could never bring myself to do something like that. But then... You think you've got this dark secret inside you as well. But Kira isn't alone. I'm not a monster. I'm not an animal. I am a human being. I can't. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. We have collectively gone fucking mad. We have gone completely insane. The poor pedophiles, ladies and gentlemen, the poor innocent pedophiles, they would never do anything wrong. He's a beacon of virtue, the virtuous pedophiles, folks. You know, it's not their fault. They're just born that way. Sure, he's attracted to Joe, but he would never, ever, ever do anything about it. No, no, no. Just, a, just the next group of victims, I think. Just the next group that needs to be liberated by modern society. Let's be honest. I mean, if you can't trust your neighbor, your friendly neighborhood pedophile, then who can you trust? I mean, I for one, I, I for one would rather uh, leave my children in the hands of a, you know, a, a pedophile than of those anti-immigration right wingers who, who push forward such dangerous ideas like uh, white supremacy, for, for example. Would you rather your child grow up to be a pedophile or a white supremacist? <laughs> 
tough one. It's a tough one, isn't it? Who knows? They're born pedophiles, so they don't have a choice. But you always have a choice about your politics. I think that's the lesson to be learned here. Um, guys, I've got to wrap this up. My voice is absolute dog shit. I'm sorry for putting you through it. Like I said, I did want to do at least one show, you know, at the start of the week to let you know what was going on. I'm going to go to the doctors now and get myself some antibiotics. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, wait till next month when I'm doing shows again constantly. Don't become a supporter right now because you won't get your money's worth. But if you want to, patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to uh, tell me how sorry you feel for the pedophiles, and you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I'll keep you updated when I'll be back. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.